Hello and welcome. You are listening to an informed take on current events brought to you by law students and staff of Queen's University Belfast. This is LawPod. Hello and welcome to LawPod. I'm Dr. Amanda Kramer, a lecturer in the School of Law, Queen's University Belfast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Laura Bum. This is the next episode of a special series of LawPod, which is being recorded at the European Society of Criminology Conference in Malaga. Thanks very much for joining us, Laura. We're really happy to have you here. Would you mind introducing yourself uh, for our audience? Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Amanda. I'm very happy to share this uh, short time with you and to be invited to this interview. I'm an Argentine and German lawyer and criminologist and I was in the last years working fundamentally with corporations and human rights. I study law, criminology, and my orientation is criminal law, of course, and international criminal law as well. I have the impression that we need to combine law and social sciences more than we usually do. And that's why my research is quite interdisciplinary. <laughs> yeah, I think it is necessary to work as well, not only in an interdisciplinary way, but also in an international way. That's difficult because of languages, and uh, but really necessary in the global world we are living. Great, thank you. We have very similar views, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just jump in then. Could you explain in a broad sense what the impacts are of the extractive industries in Latin America so our listeners can get an understanding? Mm-hmm. Extractive industries have been very important in Latin America uh, since the beginning, we could say, of their relationships, <laughs> not always very friendly, between Europe and Latin America. Extractive industries, not in a handmade way, but in this very big developed way, are being in the last 500 years, I would say, very harmful for our context in Latin America, because there is a kind of paradox there. It is said we need exploitation of our natural resources. Latin America is very, very rich in natural resources because this money helps us to develop. But at the end, actually, the consequences of these very big projects are more negative than positive, not only for the environment, but also for people living there. And also, I would say, for the economic and political systems, because we see a dependency relationship between the global north and the global south. And Latin America, I think, and political uh, or governments in Latin America have the idea we need these interesting projects and help and contribution from Europe in the sense of money. That's the way 
the, the reason why we have so many free trade agreements and this kind of political and economic uh, arrangements. But on the other side, the impact on the own population is really not enough considered by the local governments in Latin America. There are like economic elites interested in these good relationships with the Global North. Global North needs these minerals, for example, for the development of new technologies in the North, but pollution, different arts of contamination and illness are the result of that then it is really very vicious cycle between we need more development but at the end we have not really more chances for people living there because they don't really get new jobs in these projects or they even lost the good living conditions in contact with nature for example conditions people are not respected and that's why uh, it is a kind of vicious cycle that's what I call the visible and invisible violence forms are repeating and deepening in these processes and along these 500 years we have more and more of these projects even bigger and bigger and we think this is the development way and that's quite the contrary. I noticed in your explanation that you mentioned this like conception of development and that a lot of these projects, the aim is development, which is a very like Global North conception rooted in the practices of colonialism. I was wondering if you could speak a bit about the root causes of these problems. Do you think that you know colonialism is essentially to blame for this? Are there other factors that create this problem? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, colonialism is a key word here. But I would say I would like to 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 shift away this point of view, the, the perspective, into a post-colonial perspective. What, what do I mean uh, by post-colonial? When we think in colonial terms, we think big powers, old uh, empires. Uh, taking advantage of poor people in the south. And actually, it was in this way uh, at the beginning. But since centuries, we should have learned how to um, deal with this, our relationships. And post -colonial, a post-colonial perspective show us our local political elites our institutions, our political organization should prove the way uh, relate not uh, only with the global north, with the old colonial people, but with their own people. I mean, there is um, no respect actually by the elites with regard to or to the for example, indigenous people or rural, rural populations. And that's why, like uh, Johann Galtung, uh, in terms of uh, structural violence, uh, has explained all the different theories in terms of the center and periphery. Even if you are in a periphery, like in global terms, not a periphery like uh, Latin America, 
in the center of these peripheries. You have the interest not to care about their own people, but to be in a good contact with the center of the global system. That's why there is a kind of extremely way uh, from extreme way from uh, social distance between the regimes and the people. And that's why I think in this kind of post-colonial thinking, we should think not only about North-South, but also in these center-periphery relationships inside the region and inside their own countries. That's why the problem repeat. And when some governments have tried to change this, for example, with agrar reforms, with a more equal um, distribution of land, for example, of territory, in order to not to give a lot of territory to big companies and just a little to the rest of the population. When some governments, like in Chile or also in Argentina or in other countries, have tried to do that, we have cut off dictatorships, yeah? <laughs> because they try not to allow this better distribution of their resources. Then there is not only economic, but also political and I would say even ideological explanations for this process that repeat again and again. And even when we think we have understand what is happening here and we don't want to repeat this, uh, then you have, for example, an economic crisis and even, I would say, people-oriented governments say we need, again, more resources exploitation to fi finance our social projects, for example. Then you have, like in Ecuador or in, also in Bolivia, that, again, people is suffering, paying for the need of more money in the way that yeah, the natural resources are being overexploded, and you have maybe some times where uh, this is more calm, I would say, or more reasonable what we are doing with these resources. But again, you have times where we start with new agreements and new um, negotiations and business with a global north. And of course, the demand uh, on more and more new technologies are also a reason for that. And how does criminology respond to this? Or even you could bring in criminological theory. So how do we respond from a criminological perspective <coughs> to these issues that you have identified? Yeah, <laughs> I would say criminology has not respond <laughs> at all to this question because, for example, in my case, when I, stay, I started with this issue, with this research, my first thought was not in relation to Latin America, but in relation to Africa. Uh, dictatorships or social or civil, very, very bad conflicts, armed conflicts, and uh, this idea of blood diamonds, for example, this idea of uh, people doing business with these very, very 
uh, heart problems. I thought, okay, this is in Africa, we have until now a lot of uh, dictatorships, of conflicts, and what's about Latin America? And then I thought, okay, there are criminologists which are starting with the analysis of violations of human rights, these international crimes, and how can you can we use theoretical framework to explain what is victim, what is a victim, or what kind of crimes should we prevent, and why, and how. But when I think about Latin America, when I started working with Latin America, I thought, okay, we have as well this kind of macro-criminality in the sense of a lot of uh, groups or, 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 or part of population being victims of violations of human rights, but not because of dictatorships just because of business. And then I started to search for explanations in the criminology and I didn't find it. Then I tried, and that's the, the origin of my project, Crime of My Development, okay, uh, which theories could explain this. Then I started to work with white-collar crime, of course, but white-collar crime is more for normal businesses and here we have to do with more important actors, international actors. Then I, I come to crimes of globalizations. Okay, there is international organizations participating uh, also in these kinds of uh, business relationships. And we have also the, 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 the more uh, bigger concept, crimes of powerful, and also macro crime in the sense of, and state crime in the sense of, okay, something is organized in this way and uh, human rights violations are a consequence of this kind of, um, but in, in, in this case in Latin America, there is not an organization. Then I thought, okay, this is not really the macro crime in this sense of dictatorship, but we have to uh, explain the interrelationship between political and economic interests. Then state corporate crime is a concept helping me to analyze that. And we are talking about natural resources. That means green criminology is a big, big field in the way to explain that. And also other theories in the field of victimology. Okay, which kind of collective victims do we have here and that's why I needed to develop a kind of combination of different art of crimes combined in this big way to explain violence, invisible and visible violence to show there are a lot of deaths as a consequence of that which are not related to a normal crime but we have to research about it. And could you explain a bit for us um, this concept of the crime of maldevelopment and, and how it applies in this specific situation? Yeah, the definition of crime of maldevelopment is very long. Because actually it is not a definition in the sense of a crime in a criminal law book or, or uh, in an act. It is just a criminological concept. And the idea is Crime of maldevelopment is a kind of white-collar crime, but in a 
bigger way. It's a kind of macro crime, but in an asystematic, unsystematic way, where the interest of political and economic actors combined at the international, regional, and local level, having, having uh, as a consequence social harm in the sense of the affection of economic, social, physical, individual and collective rights. The idea is to explain that in this conceptual idea we can combine the existence of different individual crimes. Yeah? If you are a public officer and you are not doing your job, you may be part of a kind of network in the sense of crime of maldevelopment, the repetition of some kind of individual conducts by part of corporations, political actors, even in some cases civil society, mass media are very important in this sense as well. They are participating in different interests at the economic, political and at a formal and informal level having the consequence of violations of rights. And violations of rights understood as the infliction of violent acts. Physical in a direct way or cultural or structural in the sense of invisible ways of hindering the realization of basic needs. Great. Um, and maybe just to finish off, do you think that there are any solutions to this problem? Do you think that criminology can offer, or this new conceptualization can offer, some hope for the future? Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to offer, it is not a solution, but some approaches. How can we manage this kind of crime of maldevelopment? At first, the idea that in the judicial system, for example, and as well as at the political level, if actors are more conscious that the work they are doing is part of this kind of network, they could decide in each act to make things different. And in order to do that, uh, at first, the visibility of the problem to show what is happening, in, in, in which way is this working, is a first step for us as academics. And the second one is the proposal of different ways of organization or for the organization of the systems. How can we know that in a specific place um, a new extractive project could be harmful? Okay, we have experiences. We know what this kind of industry are doing there, in which situation are the population there. And in this way, I am offering in, in my research a kind of um, pilot projects to try in specific cases to work with the kind of map of, of actors, with protocols, with the idea to try, okay, in this case, if we know what are potential victims, what are potential offenders, who are responsible in which way, from which, I don't know, with 
with ministry, but also with um, a touch could be there, in, in involved there. Then in this way, in an interdisciplinary way, different offices could prepare in specific cases a better condition for a better development of extractive projects. I mean, at first to know the whole picture, but after that to work in specific cases. Uh, extractive projects are not something that you can't see. Then if uh, the government give a license, for example, in this or authorization in this moment, start the work in a transdisciplinary way. They, these are just some ideas I propose, but these ideas should reach the way to the principal actors. In the, but we are working on that. Great. Well, thank you very much, Laura. That was a really interesting conversation. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. I thank you. Thank you.